Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Shake. And we have a long <laughs> episode for you guys today. We certainly do. And this is an awesome story. Did you like that? Did you I like did that? like that. Yeah. It won't make sense to anyone until they hear it. Yeah, but and then it'll make sense. Yeah. Uh, I've been tracking best, down. That's the best comedic reward is when you reward people for it later. And then they get uh -huh. it and they laugh. That's how you know you did good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been spending a long time tracking down this story. Okay. A long time. See, there you go. We <laughs> you got to use my jokes. So yes. Now yeah. you've just appropriated my humor. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Um, so we have Jay Orberg. Now, Jay, Jay is a car builder and collector that built some of the most notorious and outrageous vehicles ever to exist. He's responsible from Kit, from Knight Rider. He did the DeLorean for Back to the Future. Okay. He did all sorts of different the movie cars. Tim the Burton Batmobile. Batmobile, that's right. And Which is the most... I there's two cars. What are the? What do you think most iconic cars ever that aren't like a manufacturer car? You yeah, know, they, a Batmobile's up Batmobile there. Batmobile and the Aston Martin from James Bond. Ooh, yes. Those two are kind of like boom. That's yes. it. You know, they've all had their different iterations, but through all of the Bond movies, they were always there. The, yes. the Bond car, exactly. And the Batmobile's always there in all the movies. You're right. It's and a guess character. What? Guess what? What? Little tease for like next spring. I have booked the guy that stunt drove in the new uh, Batman. That's the awesome. new Batmobile, which is yes. awesome. So we talked to Jay about Just his crazy life. This stuff continues on. And these are really, really important brands. They're really, really important things. And this guy built one. Not only that, and he built all of these movie cars, he built the longest and most absurd limousine ever created. How long? It is 100 feet long. It has 26 wheels. It has an indoor hot tub, an outdoor pool, a diving board, putting green, helipad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. It's ridiculous. And so we're going to learn all about this vehicle. And at the end of the episode, I even tracked down where it is today. And what's great is that Jay has actually got a lot of interesting history, too. Yeah. Hearing him tell, tell some stories about hot rodding and, and, and drag racing, the dude is awesome. Absolutely. Before we get into it, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrolbox. Petrolbox is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all the latest and greatest to be sent right there to your doorstep. It's a curated selection of what's new in the industry and what's cool. There's actually two different levels of the subscription to choose from. The Petrobox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrobox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first order. And because this is such a long episode, we're going to get right into Jay right now. Mr. Jay Orberg, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. So I really want to get into all of your cars and your crazy creations that people will no doubt recognize and know, but I wanted to first understand a little bit about you and where you came from. Okay. So I, I read you, uh, you were brought up in Illinois. Did you come from a family that was always into cars or where did that come from? No, my family was, was in the, in the foundry pattern maker aluminum foundry business, nothing to do with cars. So where did that I'm interest from, come from? I just, uh, as a teenager, I loved reading all the little hot rod magazines. They used to be small little magazines and uh, just had got the car bug reading the magazines. 
Did you do anything with the foundry? Were you around where they were? I just imagine all those, the aluminum getting poured in from place to place and castings going on and stuff like that. Did that inspire your building that you ended up doing eventually? Later on, I had a business where I opened my own foundry later in years. Okay. So, so that certainly did. I did, I did. I did pursue that one time. And I read that uh, in the 70s, you were actually working as a truck driver hauling around the notorious land speed record car, the Spirit of America. Right. I worked for Craig Breedlove, the world's fastest man at the time. And uh, uh, he had a big semi truck and the car went 600 miles an hour. And I drove it all around the United States and Canada, did the shopping centers, malls, car shows, uh, uh, openings, Goodyear openings and all kinds of things like that. What was he like? What I mean, what kind of man gets into a car and goes 600 miles an hour? What is what is this guy like? Uh Pretty down to earth, uh, surprisingly, how much guts he has to do to drive these cars. Uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of guts, guts to get in one of these things. It takes balls. That's what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Big, big, big balls. You're right. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious how you came from, you know, a, a family working at the foundry to being a truck driver, working with this guy and the fastest man alive. Right. Well, it's, it's, I had a, uh, I had a speed shop. I'm from Moline, Illinois. I had a speed shop called Jay's Speed Shop. And and a guy from Kansas City came to me one time and says, I want to put a car show on here. Uh, you seem to know a lot of the people there. Can you help me find guys in their cars to do the show? Which I did. So then he asked me, he said, I, I have my own show in Kansas City in a couple of weeks. Why don't you bring your drag? I had a dragster at the time. Why don't you bring your dragster down to the show? So I did that. And I got a watch and a trophy and a, a five hundred dollars. I thought, well, this is kind of a neat deal. Didn't even didn't even have to start the car up. <laughs> so, so we became good good friends. And later on, he came to he built a car called the Boot Hill Express, and he came to California. I'd already moved to California at that time, and uh, so I met up with him there. And he took me to Craig Breedlove's. He tried to make it. He was making deals to put these cars in his car shows he was doing. So that's how I met Craig Vrilov. What were you doing at the speed shop in Chicago exactly? Can you kind of, so this is kind of mid seventies, I'm guessing. Yeah. Just, uh, just, uh, at the time, all my friends and, and myself, we would drink Pepsi all day long. We couldn't drive a car without a Pepsi between our legs. You know, the big 12 ounce bottles. So at my speed shop I had, I had a little speed shop. I had a Pepsi machine, and I'd actually pay my rent off the Pepsi machine profit. From your buddies? <laughs> anyway. From your buddies buying the – your buddies paid the rent via the Pepsi machine? Right. right. So what happened when I was in high – when I just – when I got out of high school, uh, three of my buddies and I, they had a buddy program to go in the Army for six months. So we did that together. And we went in the Army, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Missouri, I think it was. And we were there for six months. And when we got out, one of my buddies and I, we decided we wanted to build a dragster to go racing with. So we ordered a kit from California, a place called uh, Chassis Research, a guy named Scotty Finn. And he sent you a box full of pipes and things to weld together. So we found a welder and we welded this whole car together. And, uh, at the time I'd been working in, during the summertime at an engine place where we worked on engines. So 
I need a Chrysler engine to put in this this dragster. So there was a Chrysler dealer, and I talked to them, and they had a motor that had come off a, a Chrysler, 392 Chrysler motor, but the factory guy had came there and knocked a hole in the side of the block. So I got the motor from them, and by working at this engine place, I found out we could we could grind it where the hole was, drill and tap holes around it, actually bowl the plate, gasket and a plate on the side to patch the hole up, which I did. So this dragster uh, was a 92-inch wheelbase. It was very short. And and uh, we put this Chrysler motor in. I put a 471 blower that ran one-half to one, Hillborn injectors, Vertex Magneto. And we were buying our parts from a speed shop in, in Chicago called Al's Speed Shop. And he was also building a dragster at the time, and he had made these front wire wheels for it. And I talked him into selling them to me, so... We went to the World Series of Drags in Cordova, Illinois, the first time we had the car up. And it was the first dragster ever to have wire wheels on the front. And I got in the car the first time to run it. And I took off down the dragster with the tires spinning and the smoke pouring out. And by the time when you're in a dragster, by the time you realize what's going on, you're halfway down the dragster. <laughs> so on top of that, the, the clutch pedal, I didn't have a stop, and it actually had fallen backwards, and I couldn't get my foot on a clutch pedal, so I'm all over the racetrack. I'm driving alone down the racetrack, and and I finally go through the end of the lights, and I, I reach down to pick up the pedal, and I finally be able, I'm able to push in the clutch, and I get to the end of the, stri- end of the drag strip, and my buddy, came, my partner, comes down to push me back, and I says, Dick, I'm never going to get in that goddamn car again. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> Just scared me to death. Just scared the fuck out of me. Can I say that all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's no problem. And and I said, I'm not getting in that car again ever. He said, well, I'm not getting in it either. <laughs> he said. So, so was that it? A race car that just went 150 miles an hour, and neither one of us will drive it. So this, this race went on for four or five days during the week. So during the week, I'm in working at this engine shop. And I come out the next day, and my my partner had to let another guy drive the car. I got it actually drove dragsters, and so that kind of made me mad, pissed me off. So I said, "Well, I'll drive that thing again." Okay, so I got in again and went 160 miles an hour, in it and on gas, and just rang the wheels all the way down, just smoke all the way down the dragster. So we won the World Series on gas. And this is the first time Garlitz had ever won the World Series on fuel. He beat Cook at Bedwell. And so uh, uh, we, I, I, the next week or two, I went to a race in Indiana. And it was very cold. It was at the end of the year, end of the summer kind of. And it was cold there. And they had a two-stall garage. And our car was so pretty, they let us have one half of the two-stall garage. So Saturday morning, it was too cold to race and all the all the drag racers kind of came in this garage where we had a salamander heater heating it up and on the other side of the garage was a guy named connie coletta which is famous today he had a gas dragster also with all the trick stuff we had nothing he had the big blower and the the big box rods and the big pistons we basically had a stock motor with a blower running one half to one on but it ran good so me and my partner in there and I'd, i'd pull a spark plug out 
and he'd be on the other side of the car, and I'd show it to him, and he'd give me a nod, and I'd put it back in like we knew what we were doing, which we didn't. <laughs> and this is so, the block with the with the metal plate on the side. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So the first run was against Connie Coletta of all guys, and we beat him. <laughs> and so, so this is a good story for me because he's so famous nowadays from racing. And uh, so they gave me a parachute. One of the prizes was a parachute. The parachute is a great big parachute, and I put it on the back of the car next week or so, and I pulled it going through the end of the traps, and it just fell to the ground. It was so big. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like the first one, the first parachute out there. So the car went 160, uh, 9.26 seconds, which was the world's fastest ET at the time. So Ed Escadarian was used to run full-page ads on the back of Drag News paper put a picture of our car in us on the back advertising we just built beat the world's fastest car uh siren hopper in california we did very well and garlitz begged us to go with him to california and we didn't have any money we didn't have we had a little open trailer and a plymouth convertible tow car we said we can't go to california we got no money to go to california so he begged us to go and we did he said well knock him dead in california i'm feeling gas we didn't go Sorry, we could have been the Don Perdona today, maybe. Who knows? And anyway, so that was my start of drag racing. And uh, I went on to drag race for another two or three years when I had the speed shop. So uh, a couple of years later, I turned my dragster into a fuel dragster and I raced it. It went 180 miles an hour. And then I decided to go to California. And I went to California and that's where I met uh, Bridlow. So how did you end up, were you doing speed shop stuff out in California as well? Or did you start transitioning into doing the movie car stuff like almost right away when you got out there? Movie car stuff came a long time afterwards. Okay. So what Uh, what fills in the gap there in the middle? Well, I worked for Breedlove and when I worked for him, I'd actually crashed my dragster one time. I had a pole with it. And, and at the time it didn't bother me, but after driving his truck for a while, my back started bothering me real bad. So I got sick and I got yellow jaundice and I had to go back to California. So I had to quit driving the truck. So he had a, uh, he had a dragster. He had built a streamlined dragster he'd built and he had all, had all tore apart for redoing it all. So I bought that from him and put it back together and used it as a show car for car shows. And there was a, a promoter in, uh, in uh, San Diego that hired me to do some car shows. So, I, and I bought another dragster called uh, the Pulsator. It was a, a car <laughs> called Nye Frank. It had two Chevy motors in it. I bought it and phoned the motors in it. So, I had two of these streamlined dragsters I was doing car shows with. So, that was kind of the start of the car show business. The Pulsator so, sounds like something that would have been in the back of a dirty magazine back then, <laughs> not a car. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, then I was in Vancouver, Canada with these two dragsters. And I met a guy named Bob Reisner. And he had two cars there. He had a car called the Invader, had two motors, had one the Oakland Roadster Show, and he had another car called the Milk Truck. So we became, we became friends there. And I, he, he said, I have to go take this one car to Detroit Auto Show. And I said, I'm going back to California. But I said, I have a friend in Seattle that does has a drag strip, and he also puts on a car show over here. I said, why don't I try to make a deal with him to do his car show? So... I went back to California, and this riser came back from Detroit, and I said, I've made a deal with this guy. 
But part of the deal is we'll build one new car, and it'll be a bathtub car. And at the time, I'd started these, <laughs> a bathtub car with two bathtubs and a toilet. So he had a little mechanic shop, and so we built this car called the bathtub. And uh, we ended up taking to Seattle, and that was kind of the start of our partnership doing car shows. What, what, why? And, what, what, why? <laughs> why did you decide to build a car with a toilet on it? Well, they made... I don't know. It, it was all it was all gold plated and it was all a green velvet interior. It was a toilet, and we used to haul the the, the, the bathtub car. We had a semi truck later on. We used to haul in the truck all the time, and the the toilet where it bolted down on the bottom would always crack from being in the truck. So we made a fiber. We got a company make us a fiberglass one, and he started selling them for coolers people to take to the beach as coolers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, this was what? This was the 70s, the 60s? When did the bathtub car come out? Oh, a long time. I forget. A long time ago. I mean, that was just kind of the era of these crazy one-off hot rods. Yeah, and they made toys of toy models of them also. Well, I know with the bathtub car, you actually were on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Isn't that right? Right, right, right. How did Johnny that Carson. come about? Uh, we had a... Uh, somebody got a hold of us, and anyway, had... Johnny Carson was on Johnny Carson's show, and uh, Carson sits on the front of it. Ed McMahon and I get both get in the back of the tub on the show. And then later on, I do Carson's show again. I'll tell you later on with the limousine. That's another time on Carson. So I was on Carson two times, <laughs> which George Barris was never on Carson. The only thing I ever had against him above George, George Barris, the famous car builder. Anyway, also, uh, Disney came to us at that time. And they had a show called The Wonderful World of Disney. And they wanted to film us building a car. So we built a car called the Sand Dragon, which was like a futuristic doom buggy. It had old turn on a motor in the back, had four wheels in the back and wire wheels in the front. And they would come every week and film us building this thing. So we were on The Wonderful, Wonderful World of Disney at one time years ago. So that was our start to these uh, TV shows. So tell me just for a second, oh. I, want to th- I want to know about... Uh... Johnny Carson, you know, I'm old enough that I remember seeing kind of the tail end of his career. Was he, what was he like? Was he as, you know, kind of as red, like I see him on TV, that's Johnny Carson. Was he the same way behind the curtain? Yeah, he was, uh, he's, he, he would get a little nasty and I'm sure I know people that know him real well, that knew him pretty well. And he would always be real nasty when he stayed at hotels and stuff. He used to stay in Beverly Hills and, uh, when he first went to California, he had a bad reputation for, being nasty at the hotel hmm. <laughs> but he, he was all right to us no problem yeah, right on so besides building these show cars and getting into the movie stuff later you you were also kind of a prolific car collector i read somewhere that you bought a car every week for 57 weeks straight did, did you do that on right. purpose were you like i'm going to buy 50 <laughs> 57 cars one every week well what, what happened I, I i put a budget out as a hundred dollars a week this is when you could buy cars really really cheap and my budget was to buy a $100 car once once a week, buy a car for $100. Would and, you would you flip them then and sell them? Or? No, no, I stored them. I kept storing them away. Did I you have the like garage 10, first or did that come later? Because that's a lot of space. <laughs> no, I, had, I had a big yard. I had 10 Etzels. And like I say, you could buy these cars really cheap. And if I couldn't right. buy one for 100 I'd wait two weeks and buy one for 200 <laughs> Okay. And, uh, and uh, so... The show car thing went from uh, 
Long Beach, and we connected with a company in New York, Philadelphia, New York. It was called Leisure Expositions, and they took our company in. They they were going. They put the company, their company, on the stock market, and our company was part of the deal. So all of a sudden, we're, we got stock. My partner and I, we got stock in this Leisure Expositions it's on the stock market. So the deal, my partner had a deal with them. They would buy him a new Cadillac or Lincoln every year. And he went back to Philadelphia one time and got in a big rough with him about, about, about this, buying, buying him this new car every year. So he quit on the spot. They called me. and they, I was in Spokane doing a car show. They called me to go back to California to lock the shop up. So I flew back to California. Uh, this Bob Reiser's wife was our secretary. And her and her mother are in there going through the files when I get there. I, I go from the airport in a taxi to the shop in Long Beach. And so I get them out of there and lock the door. And uh, that was the end of Bob Reiser and I. And so then I You didn't, then you I didn't moved. happen to get the Cadillac and Lincoln thing after that. You didn't inherit getting a new car over here. Yeah, I did get that for a while. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. I got that for a while. One thing I did with a Cadillac between everything else is a I hauled the world's fastest boat, a jet boat, driven by Lee Taylor, called the Hustler. And I hauled, I hooked it behind this white Cadillac Eldorado and had the big bars for the tow thing to hold the trailer up. And I towed it to the New York Auto Show and back. So that was a big thing going across country with that thing. Well, that's yeah, probably that's it's more comfortable. It's probably better on your back than whatever truck you were driving, towing around that 600-mile-per-hour car. Right, right. So I did that. That's another thing I did. Well, I want to know when the movie cars really came about. Did Hollywood executives start reaching out to you? Or, you know, what was the first movie car that you worked on? All right. I moved from Long Beach to Hollywood Boulevard. I had a shop on Hollywood Boulevard. And a company came to me, and they were going to build, they were going to do this movie called RoboCops. <laughs> Robo, oh, yeah. Robocop, Robocop. So they wanted me to build six cars for the movie. Bunch of Tauruses, so, wasn't it? Yeah, well, there was there were Camaros before the Tauruses, and I'll explain that. Okay. I, I had an in-house artist that did all the drawings for them for their show. And so the first cars we built, I built six Camaros. Had brand new motors and transmissions in them. Uh, we redid the bodies, and they would come every day and look at me redoing them, redoing the bodies, and they had two square boxes out the back, steel boxes that shot fire at the back. You push a lever alongside the seat and they'd shoot fire out the back automatically. And they were pretty neat, the whole thing. As well, long they, as you weren't they, standing behind them anyway. <laughs> right. They took these cars to Texas to do the first filming for RoboCop. And they get the cars there and they can't get the RoboCop guy in the cars. Uh. He's too, he won't fit in the cars. So. Oh, with the whole costume on and everything, that big... Metal can't get, can't get in these six cars we just built for them. So <laughs> oh man, they go to the Ford dealer and buy a buy a tourist Ford tourist car, and that and primer it and put a red light on top, and that became the uh, the cars for the movie. So the cars I built were never in the movie. Where did those cars end up? They just ended up getting scrapped by the studio, or no? I had them all for years. I owned them all, and. Uh, that was kind of the start of the studio thing. I worked on the Night Rider show. I was in four shows, and I worked on cars for them. And I did a lot of the other things. I, I had four dune buggies on one show, and I had a streamlined dragster in one show. And 
uh, I did different shows. And so I met my wife, which is a costume designer, a night rider. And we actually got married on the universal set <laughs> where they filmed the night rider. And we actually had our marriage at the commissary at universal studio. And everybody wanted to come cause it's on a studio lot. So that was a big deal. What was the and collaboration with some of these Hollywood companies like? There's some guy comes to you and said, hey, we've got this concept. Do they already have uh, like artist drawings? And they say, we're thinking something like this, or they kind of give you free yeah. reign. How does this all work? Well, different ways. Some of them have drawings. Some of them just have the idea. They want you to do the drawings. And uh, so for Knight Rider, uh, years later, I, 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 did, I, was in, I got involved with Barris for a while. And we were partners for a while. And uh, so the, the studio, Knight, the, the, the main guy named Ron Martinez for Night Rider came to me and he says, we're trying to get the show to go another year. We've got to come up with some idea to make the show go a fourth year. And have you got any ideas? Well, Barris and I had a guy come to us that was building these flying cars. And the guy had a, a model of a small flying car like a spaceship. And he said that, uh, he said, we could use these cars, you know, if, if we could get them in the studio somehow. So the Ron Martinez and Barris and I sat down one night trying to figure out what to come up with for their show for the next year. So Barris had gotten mad at me about this, this, this robot, this, uh, this airplane car. We got in a hustle for some reason. He was mad at me about the thing. So Barris went to the bathroom and, I pulled down this blue car off Barris's toy, had, had all these toys behind his desk, behind his chair, and I pulled this down, and you push a button, and the nose would pop out, and the rear end would pop open, and it was a, a kind of a Batmobile-type car, but it wasn't a Batmobile. So I said, this is a good idea, but I said, it can't be my idea. George is mad at me. It's got to be your idea, Ron. So when George came back, Ron pulled his toy down. He says, how about if the front end shoots out, and this opens up and pops <laughs> So this is where the Knight Rider Pursuit car came from. So we had an artist start doing drawings on the thing. And we actually made uh, two cars uh, in our shop at Barris's. And we made uh, two convertibles. And and uh, I brought a guy in that I'd brought from Australia that worked for, for me and Barris at the time. And he actually built them for us in our shop, him and a couple of guys. And I helped him in that. But they're, they were mainly the builders and things. So to get the front end open up to push out, uh, you had to take the motor was in the way because you had to have these big, big rams at the front. So that we had to do one car without a motor. <laughs> and then one car, we just locked the front end open. So the way the studio would film this car with the front end opening and closing is they would take this car and tow it backwards. And they would actually film the front end opening and closing, and do, towing the car backwards, and then they reverse the film. <laughs> so when you see it on TV, you see the front end opening and close, even though the car didn't even have a motor in it. And uh, that's clever for sure. So, like I said, I was on four of the Night Rider shows, uh, and then uh, what was, was really, what was the most ahead. memorable movie car you ever did? Batman, Batman. Before Batman, I did a. Uh, we'll get to Batman in a minute. I did a red Night Rider car for this universal studio they wanted they wanted to go on with the show and they were going to bring it they were going to take david hassel off the night rider guy and turn him into a girl show hmm. and so I, I built two cars and a boat 
and a cutaway of red cars that were made on the on the uh, Mitsubishi's. We bought brand new ones and cut them all up. So I paint them red because I figured it's going to be a girl's show. And they filmed the pilot, and the pilot was very successful, but the show never went anywhere. This is a female so, night rider. A female night rider. Who was the actress? I forget right off. Man. It's been a long time. <laughs> now he wants to go look this up. <laughs> this sounds interesting. <laughs> anyway, it's a red car called Night 4000. And and uh, so after that, uh, I, uh, the studio called me up and they said, uh, they said, we want to talk to you about a Batmobile car. So I went down on, not to, not to Warner Brothers, but down on Sunset Boulevard where they had a building. And uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I'll think of it in a minute. Anyway, Tim Burton. I went into Tim Burton. You yeah. got it. I'm sorry. No, that's they all had right. All, they had all these sets all made for for the Batman thing from the movie on you know, on tables and stuff in there. And they had this car called the. Uh, I didn't have a name. It was it was a, the Bat Missile, and it was a narrow car. And they wanted to know if I could build this car, and I said, Yeah, I can build that car. You know, no problem. What did so that I made thing look deal. like? What did the bat missile look like? Did it look like what your car ended up looking like, or was it something different? No, they had a model of it already. They made a model of it. It was actually the Batmobile narrowed up. It was only like four feet wide, and it had eight wheels on it. So I made the car form, and in the movie, uh, the police are chasing the Batmobile, and they come to this alley. It's a narrow alley, which the Batmobile won't fit through. So they do a flash thing and the car becomes this narrow bat missile that goes through this opening. And then all the police cars jam into the wall. Can't get through there. (laughs) So they were trying to figure out how to make this thing go through this narrow opening. So I built one with a motorcycle underneath it. I built one with a golf cart underneath it and we tried all different things and nothing seemed to work. So they ended up putting down a rail and actually pulling it with a cable on a rail through there how they end up doing it. So I made several of those cars. So then they wanted me to make everything. So I made the bat boat. I made the, uh, the bat shield that goes over the cars. I made the bat duck. I made the, uh, what else did I make? So this, anyway, I mean, this made- is a legendary, this is a really important brand, you know, doing the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. I mean, other than Batman himself, the Batmobile is the most important thing. I mean, I would say right. it's even more important than Robin, right? I mean, you got Batman, Robin, oh, and Batmobile. Yeah. I'll take the Batmobile right. over Robin any day. Right. I hold Robin in a parade anyway. <laughs> so the, the real Robin, you know, in a, in a, in a, I had a TV Batmobile in a parade one time. So, so I'm thinking about you making all these Hollywood cars and doing the Batmobile and the, and the you know, unfortunately it ended up being a Taurus or whatever, and you did the Knight Rider stuff and stuff like that. Do you miss going fast at this point? You're building all this stuff and all these cars that are – not fast, but they're special. Is there some part of you that just misses going 160 miles an hour in 9.8 seconds? Yeah, not really. Not really. I'm, I'm, these cars are pretty, pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty amazing to build. Yeah. When you finish them, they're pretty neat when you get them all done and what they do with them all. And, uh, so anyway, we get through the, the, uh, they needed, uh, Warner Bros. needed one more boat, bat boat for the show, and they were out of money. So a guy had come to me before that from Australia, 
and he he wanted he had made a deal with Warner Brothers to take a bat boat, a Batmobile, and a and a bat missile to Australia to do shows after the movie was done. So I told him I said I'll make you a bat boat. I'll loan you a bat boat so I can get it back and I'll rent to this guy in Australia. They said, What's it cost to build a bat boat? Oh, but for me, at the time, about ten grand. Okay, what did the studio end up paying for it? Oh, probably fifty. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) There was a little profit in there. Yeah, a little margin. Yeah, margin. That's okay. No one else is building bat boats, so do what you want. (laughs) I I had the molds. I had all we we carved all those stuff out of foam. And then we took moles off it all. So everything, the bat boat and the bat missile and the duck, everything was carved out of foam to start with. Hmm. I had guys, I had, I had these special carvers, and they're unbelievable. They can actually carve you and I. Just, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're that good. The bat Chris so, and a bat Jake. That yeah. sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't want to give me back this Batmobile for some reason, this bat boat. They messed around, messed around, messed around for about a year. So this is the guys in Australia that took all these things over. Doesn't they no, don't want to give the Batmobile no, no, back? No, no, the Warner Brothers don't want to oh, give it back. Okay, and I'd give it to them for free. So, but I had this was a second Batman movie, and the first movie uh, they made two cars in England, and I had their molds from England. And uh, so I said, I'm not giving you back these molds until you give me this Batboat back. So this went on for about a year, and finally one day I said, just come and get these molds. So they brought the boat back, but the whole top of it was cut off and gone of the boat. And I thought, you assholes, you know, you cut the whole top of the boat off. So I gave them back the molds, and meanwhile I'd made my own molds. Uh, so and for the second movie, I actually made a car, the car that actually spins on a turntable. I made them that car. And they had two cars from England, and they had another car they got from another promoter. So they actually got four cars in the second movie. So they gave me back the boat, and the mold actually is the top half and the bottom half to make this bat boat. So I knew I could just make a new top and put it back on this boat, glass it back together. So I'm trying to think where I'm at here. Uh, in, but there was a lot of junk inside this boat when they brought it back. In there was two bat capes from the movie. <laughs> and you put them on immediately, right? <laughs> I sold those I sold those to Plant Hollywood for ten grand. So I made up wow. pretty good on the boat deal. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> you still didn't and, tell me uh, if you tried the bat cape on though. I mean I would have put that thing on right away. <laughs> We had to do that. We had to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. For sure. So, Jay, I actually started looking into you when I stumbled upon this photo of the world's longest limousine, the American Dream. Where right. the heck did the idea come from to build the world's largest limousine? I had I'd made a deal with a guy in Germany that had two shows in Germany, big shows, car shows, and I was taking him cars over there every year. And... He called me one day and he says, I've given this limo company money to build me a, a long limousine, a special long limousine. And it's been two years now and they've never finished it. They can't seem to get it done. So the guy's name was Wolfgang Schuler from Germany. So I said, Wolfgang, uh, let me build you one. They said, he says, you only got six weeks to build it. I says, let me build it. He said, I won't give you any money to the cars here. I says, I want $50,000 to build it. But I'll build it, and it'll be there, and you can pay me when it gets there. So I went and got found a loan, a place to loan me $50,000, and I hired a bunch of guys, and we built a 60-foot limousine. 
in two pieces. It was two halves, and it had 26 wheels. It had a, 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 two, a motor in the front, motor in the back, a driver in the very back where the trunk was, and it had a, a, a pool and a jacuzzi and a diving board. And a, it had a, <laughs> a, had a, a TV antenna on the top, a solar dish. How many women in bikinis were able to be fit in the 60-foot limo? Uh, uh, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> so I took this to Germany, and I'm in Germany at the show, and at the time, there was no limos at all in Europe, anywhere in Europe. They just didn't have limos. So I got this car at the car show, and it's all roped off, but the people are just going crazy over it. You know, they're just knocking down the ropes almost. So I go to the promoter, this Wolfgang Schuler, to his office. I said, Wolfgang, I got a problem. I said, the people are just knocking the stands down. I said, I got some guys helping me, but we can't hold them back anymore. He's all, oh, Jay, get serious. Come on. You know, I said, I'm telling you. So I went back and I got mad. I took the ropes down. Now the people are all over this thing. They weren't hurting. They weren't hurting. We were watching. They wouldn't hurt anything. But now the Schuler comes out, this Wolfgang Schuler, he's going crazy. Jay, what's going on? I said, I told you. They're, they're, so now he puts about 10 guards on it for the rest of the show. So that was the first show with a big limousine. So after that, I took this limo to about uh, 10 countries, shipped it all over the world. It was really popular. And Guinness Book and the, put in the Guinness Book of Records, the biggest car in the world, biggest limo in the world. So what's the farthest it ever drove? I'm curious. Oh, about a mile. Two yeah. miles. You no, weren't no, driving this a, thing around town. <laughs> no. I, I'll, I'll tell you about a commercial I did with it for Taco Bell, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So I'm back in L.A. with it, and a show from uh, Canada calls me, Eastern Canada, uh, not Toronto, Canada calls me, and they said, we'd like to have this limo in our fair. And I said, well, it's 60 feet now. I'd like to make it 100 feet. And they said, we'll give you $50,000 to make it 100 feet. That's the magic limo number, apparently. Magic limo number. <laughs> so so at, I'm, I'm, at the time, I'm running Barris's shop in the back from him. So we build this limo in two halves. The shop's only 60 feet long. So we build it in two halves side by side. And so Barry says to me, how are you ever going to get that out of there? And I said, I don't know. We'll tear the building up. We have to. He said, oh, no. Come on. You know. <laughs> so one night I had bought in two fifth-wheel long trailers. They were behind pickups. They're 50 feet long trailers. So one night with a bunch of guys and a lot of floor jacks and a lot of maneuvering, we got the car out of the shop, pulled out in front of Barris's shop, and kind of set it together. And we go, holy Christ, look at this thing. Jesus. <laughs> what have we done? Feet. Oh, yeah, it was just amazing. It was like midnight. We thought, geez, look at this thing. So we load on the trailers, and we had to go to the East Coast. And at the time, all the truck drivers had CBs in their trucks. So they would see the first half of the limo coming down the road, and they'd say, you see that limo? Jesus, that big limo. Then they'd see the second trailer with the other half, and they'd go, holy Christ, there's more to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you got the trucks, if you put the back in front of if you got the trucks turned around in reverse, just screw them all up. So we had to keep them in order. <laughs> <laughs> had to keep them in the front and the back. So we took the truck to Toronto, and we had in the car show there. And after the show, we actually took it outside and landed a helicopter on the back of it. And what I did is I made a putting green to go on top of the pool. 
and and we land a helicopter on that and then uh, so before that i had in hollywood i'd land a helicopter also on it and i had it uh i did a show i had a shop on hollywood boulevard and i did a show called pm magazine where we land a helicopter and i went to van nuys airport and i painted jay's hollywood cars on the side of the helicopter on paint we could take off and so i'm doing the show with this guy here comes this helicopter and he says jay what's this helicopter I said, oh that's my 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 pilot coming to pick me up so he lands the helicopter in the back of the limo and i get in and we take off <laughs> <laughs> part oh, of the tv show what a flex so that, that is that's awesome that, that was the first helicopter and the second was in toronto and the third one that's lifestyle rich and famous to shoot laying a helicopter in the back also so we did this two or three different times and uh and another time uh they bring this johnny carson from japan over and they want to shoot the limo going down hollywood boulevard so we pick a friday night we we, we put it together on one end of hollywood boulevard we put the guy in the back we fill the tub up with the water put the guy in the tub and we drive down hollywood boulevard at five o'clock at night <coughs> filming this thing and the people are just going crazy going down the road with it and then we get the end of hollywood boulevard and we take it apart and put it back on trailers and haul it out the the looks must have just been like out of control right (laughs) so another time i'm doing these taco bell commercials for taco bell and and i'd done a i'd done a piano commercial with them i'd done a 40-foot mercedes commercial with them and they wanted to use a big 100-foot limousine and so they asked me if I'd bowl the table on the back on top of this helicopter pad and then bowl all these plates and glasses down and all the chairs down. And there's like 10 chairs around this thing. And they had a, a singer, a guy named T. Graham Brown, uh, that was a country western star and a singer, a national singer. And uh, so we take the, the and they says, well, we want to. Uh, we want to take all the windows out one side of it. We're going to have girls hanging out with Taco Bell bags. And I, you great. can't take, you can't take the window, windows out. They're all glued in there permanently. There's no taking them out of there. They said, we need to take them out, Jay. And I said, you can't take them out of there. They said, we'll give you five grand. I said, no, I'm telling you, no way. They said, we'll give you 10 grand. I said, no way. We'll give you 15 grand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take the windows out glue them back in later on yeah <laughs> so we're out doing this commercial out on this highway out above palm springs in the last shot of the day they put all these people around the table in the back t graham brown is standing in front of the table with a rope tied so he won't fall off the thing they got girls hanging out the windows with taco bills and there's a real long steep hill we're gonna go down with this limousine and they got a big crane on the other side of the highway way up high and gonna shoot this thing so I start driving this car down this hill when I never drove the car around a few blocks around. So I, I, I starts down the hill, starts going. I push on the brakes. The smoke just pours up from the front tires. <gasps> I says, holy Christ, this thing's only got a few brakes. There's only a few wheels that have brakes on because we never drove this thing anywhere. <laughs> so I go a little farther and the smoke keeps pouring. I said, well, this, I'm going to screw this whole shot. It's a one-time deal. So I keep going faster and faster and faster. And at the bottom of the hill, there's a cop on the left side holding traffic back. And on the other side, there's a ravine goes down off the side of the road. So there's no going left or right, straight ahead. So I keep going faster and faster. And I'm holding this thing like a dragster. I'm thinking, holy Christ. 
if I crash, I'm going to kill all these people in the car, and it's just going to be a nightmare. So I get to the bottom of the hill going about 70 miles an hour probably, and it coasts to a stop. And I go, God, was I lucky to get on that deal? So anyway, that was my Taco Bell 100-foot commercial with them, and it turned (laughs) out real well. And and I did I did a couple piano car. I had a piano car I built, and Taco Bell wanted to use, but they wanted me to put the driver's seat on the left side down below on the left side to drive it, and they were going to film it from the right side uh, on you know, on the cornfields low on the cornfields. So we put the C. Graham Brown on the thing standing up with a tuxedo tail. We put ropes from his waist down and taped him up black. It's black tape, so you couldn't see him. So we're driving. My guy, I got a little short guy driving this thing. He's going down the highway, and they're filming it with a helicopter on the right side. You don't see the driver, and T. Graham Brown's like playing the piano with no steering wheel. <laughs> and and so this is a big deal to put the steering and all the seats and everything down along the side to make it work right. So I take it back to the shop. We cut all that stuff off. It was all welded on. We cut everything off, put it all back. And normally the steering wheel is up where you play the piano. So about two weeks later, they call me back. They said, we're going to do that commercial again. I said, what? We need that seat again. I said, we just cut it off the car. (laughs) Got to put it back on. I go, Jesus, you know, okay. So we did again. And uh, a lot of trouble. But I did a lot of Taco Bell commercials with them. And, I'm gonna uh, have to look these up now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find these commercials. This sounds. There's this sounds one. Awesome. I had a I had a 40 foot pink Mercedes limo with a heart shaped tub, convertible. Yeah, I saw a picture. I've I've seen a picture of that one with a uh, with a Ferrari F40 Mercedes, and I'm looking at that thing. It's got it's full of Recaro yeah, that, seats. Yeah, that's those are both my cars. That thing. That, what I'm more curious about the double wide limousine that I've seen. All right, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Anyway, let me finish the Mercedes story. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, to do these shows, uh, they take these singers down to the Capitol Records on Hollywood, and they record the songs before they go out on the highway, you know. So they record the song. So the first one was this T. Graham Brown. For the Mercedes, they had Little Richard uh, singing Baby Back Cadillac. So... They wanted me to make the car blue, so I put a Cadillac grill on it, taped it on there somehow, put Cadillac <laughs> fins on the back, painted it with peel paint, baby blue peel paint that the studio uses on all their cars. So we did the thing, and I filled the heart-shaped tub with dirt and cactus, and I built a platform where you sit, and we had a pink piano up on top, and he's standing up playing the piano with a girl driving it, same place out in by Palm Springs on the highway. So they did that. So I bring the car back and it's peel paint. You're supposed to be able to take it off. Well, it wouldn't come off. So I ended up painting the whole car all over again, which cost me a lot of money, but I've gotten a lot of money for doing this. So anyway, so that was, (laughs) so you talk about the wide limo. I took and built, took two Cadillac cars. Each was 30 feet long, each side of it. And you'd put the car each side, you'd slide them up side by side with about four feet in between. And it had a floor that would fold down from one side down to the other would bolt. So it could all bolt together. It had a piece that went in the front and a piece that went in the back. So this 40 foot limo, you could never drive it. It was just for static display because it, because the way it was made, it had a Cadillac motor on each, each side. 
so separately you could drive each side, but you couldn't drive it as one unit. <laughs> and uh, so I went to Guinness and I says, you know, I said, I've got this white limo. Uh, I, want, I want you guys to put the Guinness Book of Records. And they said, well, we're not, you can't drive that on the freeway. And I said, well, I can't drive the Cadillac either on the freeway. What's the difference? You know, right? So they had never put in their book. I went to their office in England. And they had never put in their book. Hmm. And, I, and I also had a jet-powered link, uh, Lincoln limousine. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't put that in there. So I was going to have the world's fastest, the world's longest, the world's widest limousines in the Kinsmaker Riders. But they would never put all that in there. So <laughs> anyway. So was the American Dream probably the most ambitious vehicle you ever created? Yeah, I had that in many, many countries. I had all over the world. A lot of different stories. Once I had it in Denmark, and I had it in Sweden and Denmark. And I have and to ask you, how do you get it? I know you can trailer it around the country. Did, did you have to load these things on big cargo planes or ships? Or how would you get it overseas? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I got two stories. I'll tell you the first one about flying. When it was still 60 feet, we flew it on a 747 in two halves to Japan. And I had it in two amusement parks in Japan for a year. And uh, when the when the planes landed in Japan at the airport, there was you would think the President of the United States had landed because there was photographers on every roof around the airport to shoot, shoot this thing. And it was a big deal. So we put on two big semi-trucks in Japan, and we had to go about 100 miles to this theme park. And uh, the paparazzi just followed us all over down these highways and everything. <laughs> so we had we had in Japan at this first park, and I had a friend with me. Two of us were there. And uh, they had a golf course. They had the world's biggest Ferris wheel there at this theme park, and they had a hotel there. And we, him and I would play golf with them every day, something to do. And every night we would have a steak in the restaurant because they were paying for everything. Suppose, supposedly so when i got home a month later i get a bill for them for all these steaks that they, they weren't going to pay for i get a bill for like a thousand dollars for the steaks <laughs> were they good yeah they were really good yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know they were that from the cows the, the hand-fed fed cows and yeah, yeah so uh, they pet them while they're feeding them you're right right <laughs> so the other story was the, the the limo was uh, in Denmark. Anyway, the the it, it got shipped. This is still when it was 60 feet. It got shipped from Denmark. I was doing a show in Belgium to Belgium, and we took out the container. The front, one half of the front was all crushed, smashed, because they didn't tie it right mm. in the container. So we did the show, and we put some plants around the front of it, <laughs> some palm trees and stuff to kind of disguise it. So in the meantime, I'm in L.A., and the People from uh, from uh, Italy, from what's the island? Italy, uh, uh, oh, Sicily, Capri, Capri. S- Sicily, Sicily. Yeah. The mayor and all the people and city council from Sicily come to L.A. and I meet them downtown L.A. and they said we want your limo at our at our at our fair this year, and I said all right, no problem. And he says, well, how much did it cost? I said, 50 grand. I'm on this 50 grand again. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good number. I said, $50,000. They said, well, we're not going to pay you until the car gets there. I said, that's all right. So now I know the car is smashed in the front on one side. And it's in two containers. So I take 
my one worker and my son, and we take everything it takes to fix this car except an air compressor. We take spray guns and all the parts and everything to fix it, Bondo. So we get there, and they said, we're not going to pay you till the car arrives. So the first container comes one day, and we're sitting at the fairgrounds, and I'm thinking, is this the good part or the bad part? <laughs> <laughs> we're all sitting in the car waiting to open this, this door. It turned out to be the good part. So they gave me 50 grand cash on the spot at the fairgrounds. So my son was young. He says, Dad, you got to buy me a motorcycle. I was not buying you a motorcycle. He's come on. You got all this money. Buy me. A he got all mad at me. And anyway. Wait, so are they so giving the, you dollars or lira? No, uh, dollars. Wow. Where'd you get, where do you get 50 grand in Sicily? <laughs> I, I don't know where they got it, but they had it. <laughs> well, so so speaking of Italy, this, uh, this Ferrari one, I'm really curious. Why? What's with the Ferrari limo? You know, in terms of looks, I mean, it's got the wide wheels with the gold, with the polished lips, and the right, and the Recaros right. in it. That thing is awesome. Let's get into that. Let me finish the story in Sicily first. Yeah, sure. So uh, they they put a tent up at the fairgrounds, and we have the thing in there, and we work a couple of nights to fix the thing before the fair opens. And next to us is the Russian Sputnik thing from Russia in a spaceship, and they have a big display of all the stuff, and the guy was in space for six months, and so they're next to us, and so when the fair opens, we get all the people, and the Russians don't get any people <laughs> <laughs> at the booth in that. So that was the story there. And uh, so back to the F the F forty Ferrari limo. Yeah. The my guy in Germany, same promoter in Germany, Wolfgang, says I got all the Ferrari race world race drivers coming to my show this year. And, and I want to build a car for him. So I said, well, the F40 Ferrari is the, the main car Ferrari makes nowadays. He says, can you make me a limo? I said, I can make anything you want. What do you want? <laughs> so, you got 50 grand because I can make it. You're right. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get a F40 Ferrari toy and we start making this car and I have a top on it originally. Well, you can't hardly get in it with this top on it. So I cut the top off and make it a convertible. And so it's got two axles in the front, three axles in the back. It's got a Fiero motor in the back. We make a steel body. It all runs and drives the front wheels turn. And so I take it to Germany and they do this whole show with all these drivers in the car at this big show in Germany. And it's a big hit. So that night at dinner, they had all the Ferrari factory people there. And I'm sitting next to some Ferrari people. And they says, well, you're way ahead of us. I said, what do you mean? He said, we've been thinking about making the F40 into a convertible, and you've already made one. I said, really? Oh. They said, yeah, we're thinking about doing that. Well, they never did, but they were talking about it at the time. So that's what that F40 Ferrari was for. They liked and, it, though, huh? They weren't mad, or it oh, seems like Ferrari would be, oh, just, you can't do this with my car. Oh. No, they loved it. I had no problem with like, like that. That's awesome. <laughs> So, so, Jay, are you still coach. collecting and building cars today? Yeah, I built I built a couple hundred cars over the years, uh, crazy cars and movie and TV cars, and and uh, I'm still doing some right now. I'm building four four rabbit cars. What are rabbit cars? Well, they look like Bugs Bunny, but I call them rabbit cars because I can't call them Bugs Bunny cars. <laughs> <laughs> the, they're long, streamlined cars, hard to explain, and I'm building them for four different museums 
one for Vola Museum in Chicago, one for a museum in Rockford, Illinois, one for a museum in Mississippi, and one to go to Austria. So I'm working on those right now. And uh, but a few years ago, I put together a museum in Vegas with a with a guy that had a lot of money. And uh, he, I, I put a hundred movie and TV cars in a museum in Vegas called Jay's Hollywood Cars at the time. And it's just called Hollywood Cars. Now it's still there. I quit the deal because the guy was getting so hard to get along with it. Meanwhile, uh, the 100-foot limo uh, went was in a show in in, uh, in Spain, and then it ended up going to uh, Guatemala, of all places. Not Guatemala, I'm thinking, thinking of it. Bonus Irish. Hmm. Uh, these people had done a show with them, and I built, built them 30 cars in the limo for a big show in Spain which they did in Barcelona and they did in Madrid, Spain. And then they took them to Barcelona, did a show there, a couple of shows there. So uh, I wasn't getting the cars back from them and I lost, lost contact. They're not sending me money. They're not sending me cars. And I don't know what's going on. So I get a call and they says, your cars are in Guatemala. They're doing a show here in Guatemala. I said, really? So I fly to Guatemala and here's the, here's the cars that it at a fairgrounds. They're doing a show at a fairgrounds. So I meet with them. And they says, here, the car's all yours. We're leaving. <laughs> okay. So, so thanks, a, thanks a lot, you know, in Guatemala. In Guatemala with no plans to ship back or anything. Nothing. So I go to the fairgrounds. I look at all the cars and everything, what to do. So I got no ramps and no trucks, no nothing. So I make a deal to get 10 shipping containers on trucks to the fairgrounds. In Guatemala, you can hire 10 guys for $100 a day. The price is right. So we build these giant wood ramps to get the cars up in the in the containers. And we chalk them all with, with two-by-fours and that. But I got no way to tie them. But the, the, the cars, the, at the car show, they have these big ropes to rope the cars off. So I use those to tie the cars in the containers. And we got them all loaded, ready to go. And, uh, and, uh. The fairground says, well, they still owe us some money. I said, they do? Yeah, they owe us 10 grand, five or 10 grand, something. So I fly back to LA to find some more money. And so I find the money, I go back there, pay them the fairground some money. And now somebody's taken seals, I sold them all the tires off all the semi trucks. They're all gone. <laughs> all, all the wheels are gone off of 10 trucks. So I thought, holy shit, you know, now what do I do? So I fly back to LA, find more and more money. So I go back there get the wheels on the trucks, put them on a ship, ship them back to LA. Now I got to pay for the shipping. Turn up be a nightmare, this whole deal. And anyway, I finally got them all back. So that's just another story. So if I you would have known that it was going to be such a shit show to get it back, would you have just left it there in Guatemala? Probably, probably. Yeah. What a nightmare. <laughs> and wow. uh, so I've had two or three stories on a foreign country where I've lost the cars doing different deals like that. And uh, had some good, a lot of good and a lot of bad experiences in different countries. So, uh, where else? What can we talk about? Well, where can where can people find out more about you and your collection? Well, there's a website called jaysfamouscars.com. Excellent. Or they can call me anytime in California. My phone's open. Anyone wants to call me. <laughs> and, uh, well, thank you so much, Jay. It's been awesome hearing the stories and. 
I could, the- I could listen all day. We're out of time, though. We're out of time. I know. <laughs> all right. Time flies. You're having fun. No sure kidding. Does. Thank you so can much, leave, Jay. Can I leave my phone number? Yeah, absolutely. 760-80-90902. Jay's famouscars.com. So is that if we want to come visit you? Check things well, out? Or what, what, what's you up? Don't have to, you don't have to come visit me. You're welcome to call. <laughs> I'm, right I'm in La Quinta, I'm in La Quinta, California, next to Palm Springs, where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is <coughs> and, that where you uh, do? You have cars there? Do you have some some stuff? No, I got this my house. I have no cars here. Okay. Where do you keep the cars that you still have? Oh, I I, I have a shop, and I'm working on these cars. Yeah, yeah. But most of the cars are in museums. All the cars I built over the years. As a they, lot of cars. As they should be. Jay, right. thanks so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Okay, guys. Take Jake care. And Chris, nice yeah. talking to both of you. Yes, you, you as well. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I need to accomplish more. Do more. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that's pretty safe to say. Uh, before we talk in about, a little bit more about this, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. You know, I bet Jay had to do a lot of polishing to the, all these show cars. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> the hundred foot limo? Probably <laughs> apparently, probably cheaper to do it in Guatemala. Yes, yes, anybody, exactly. There you go. But he could have used Oberk Car Care. It's your source for professional detailing compounds and supplies. The research you know how much tested. I would charge to, to detail one of these things? 50 grand. 50 grand. <laughs> That's what I would charge. Well, Oberk does not charge 50 grand for their products, and they're great products made by people who are passionate about detailing. Right now, they're offering 20% off your next order, and you can use the code OVERCREST to get it. Code is good not only on OBERCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Go check them out today. After talking to Jay and all these stories, I want to know what happened. Where is it? To this Where limo. Right, it's, what I, happened? I've never heard of this thing. I've never so, seen it. I did a little more digging. Tell me it's owned by Trump. <laughs> Because this seem, this thing seems like that would be it's, it's the biggest it's yes. huge it's absolutely huge it's it's, got, it's funny that was Arnold Schwarzenegger not yeah Trump. that's not Trump. I can't do Trump I can't it's do it huge yeah huge. that's also huge. I don't know why it goes to Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, but regardless but it seems like something he would own. yeah and it's funny because there was some like Russian newspaper when this was traveling around the world and yep. it was like this is the embodiment of American excess and this is what they're wasting their money on so we're awesome yes what exactly I'm imagining all the girls I. This some communist guy just like, hmm, just like <laughs> watching his, the Taco like, Bell his, ad. He's sitting on a <laughs> shitty chair with his wool itchy blanket <laughs> and just going, oh, fucking Americans. And there's like a picture of this car with bikini clad women just hanging out of it. Oh, it's he's amazing. just like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. So, yeah, I wanted to know what happened to it. And at some point when kind of the novelty of it wore off, it seemed to basically fall off the radar. It should have been left in Guatemala. I feel like that was kind of like that was the end. That was the, the end. Fitting you know? end. It was so. It was how people respect things is is kind of how iconic it is at any given time. Right. So you think of the the guys that's in Buenos Aires or whatever yep. doing its thing. He knew it was there, and those people didn't feel they didn't respect it enough to even tell the guy who owns it that yes. they sent it to another place. Right. At that point, you're kind of like, well, well, it run at the court. The hype's over. Right. That's it. So it was found and listed on eBay, actually, in 2010. It was basically just rotting outside of some warehouse. How much was it listed for? I don't remember, but 
I tracked down the current owners of the American Dream Limo. So we are going to talk to Elena and Mike from the Deserland Park. Hello. Hi, Elena. This is Jake. Hi, Jake. How are you? I'm good. I also have my co-host, Chris, on the line as well. Hello. Hello, hello. We just had an amazing conversation with Jay Orberg himself. He, uh, I don't know if you've met him or talked with him. He... He's you got sure some has some stories. stories. He's got some stories. <laughs> I love it. No, I have not had the pleasure yet. Um, should I dial in Mike um, Manning? Uh, he he is a wealth of information about the limo because he is the person that Mr. Desert purchased it from. Yeah, let's get Mike on the line. While she's getting Mike on the line, I'll just fantasize about I wonder if this thing gets fully restored, if I'll be able to use the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> I think it can be arranged. It may need to be on the front lawn of Desert Lands, but I think it could be arranged. Is there a dress code? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do we have you on the line as well? Yes, you do. Hi, awesome. Mike. My name is Jake. I have my co-host, Chris, here as well from the Overcrest Podcast. Yep, I'm here. Hey. I'm the one fantasizing about sitting in the hot tub. That's me. Okay. How are you guys? Hello? We're good. <laughs> We're good. So we just got off the phone with Jay Orberg himself. This is an incredible okay. conversation. We talked to him for almost an hour about everything wow. from building hot rods in Chicago to all the different stories of the limo and the Batmobile and all and the Ferrari limo and everything. It's it's an it was an incredible story listening to the guy that wow. guy. He's got some yeah. stories. For sure. Yeah, so, yeah it definitely does. <laughs> So, Mike, I want to know, where did you come to find the American Dream limo? Well, I actually found it on eBay. It was for sale on eBay about, I don't know, I'll say 10 years ago, approximately. Okay. And I won, I won the bid on eBay, and I contacted the guy, and he didn't want to accept my bid because it was too low. Mm. I'm like, well, you had no reserve on it, so I, I won it. So we went back and forth. I told him I had a school in Long, you know, in Long Island, an automotive school. So he says, all right, listen. He goes, you, you take it to New York, and um, you know, we'll partner. And one day, if we ever restore it or whatever, you know, maybe we'll do something with it. I said, okay. So I paid for the transportation. I brought it to New York, and we were going to start working on it at the school. It's going to teach kids how to work on cars, do body work and paint and everything. Where was it? Where, where was it located when, when it was for sale? In Mineola. Mineola, where was it located? It was in, I think, Edison, New Jersey. Okay. It was in a, it was in outside of a, a warehouse, all completely dilapidated. I mean, all the windows were broken. There's cats living, and all the tires were slashed. It was just, it was junk. Basically, it was junk. Did you know and the story what? of this limo before you started bidding on it, or did you just say, "Hey, that'd be a cool project"? Yeah, I really didn't know too much about the story of it then, even though I was involved with like movie and TV cars with uh, my partner at the time, Andy Perillo, who was, uh, he worked, he was George Barris's East Coast representative. That's how I got connection with these cars and stuff. And I was looking for unique cars. So I would search eBay all the time. And if I would find something, you know, I would try to bid on it and see if I can get my hands on it. Because it was all about teaching kids, giving them the excitement of, of seeing something like that and, and showing them that they could do that too. And you know, not only that, whole, but bring something like that back to life is kind of cool too. Yeah. Everybody told me I was crazy when I brought people there to look at this. Said, You're out of your mind. You, you're never going to get, you're not going to take this thing. It's a piece of junk. And I said, no, I, I see it. I have a vision. I'm going to get it done. 
And, you know, I didn't get it done, but Mike Desert got it done. <laughs> yeah, so Mike Desert, who owns the Desertland Park, he yes. purchased the limo from you. Right. What what happened here, the backstory is I had the museum here in New York. It's a small museum for a school. And I met Mike about five years, well, I guess five or six years ago. And he said, you know, if you ever want to do anything, give me a call. And I never, you know, I never, I never called him. And then when the time came, um, there was new, uh, new administration coming into Nassau County. And I got a, a termination notice for my lease um, with the new administration coming in because was, I was part of the Nassau County here with the, with the county executive here. So I had to get rid of everything. So I said, well, what am I going to do with the limo? I was going to ship it upstate to some property I have and leave it up there. I said, let me put it on eBay and see what happens. <laughs> and Mike contacted me. And we made a deal, and he hired a company to come get it. So we loaded it up and shipped it to Florida. So before I ask you about the state of it right now, and this is probably a question for for Lena, I just want our listeners maybe to know, what what is Deserland Park? Because I I had to look it up. I've never been down there. Deserland Park is Florida's largest indoor attraction. We're 850,000 square feet of exciting activities Everything from karting to bowling, trampoline parking, um, play shooting, axe throwing, mini golf, arcade. We have one of, of the country's largest pinball arcades and collections. Jake so is over is here. So Jake is about the size of a small child. <laughs> and he looks like one right now. His, oh, his, his, I, I totally want to come down here. Pinball machines. That's what his eyes look like right now. That sounds fun. <laughs> We are the ultimate man cave for the entire family. And and it is a place where there is truly something for everyone under one roof. You don't have to worry about the Florida heat, the Florida rains, because it, it's all inside. And it's a place where you can spend an hour or, or you can spend an entire weekend parking's free, admissions free. Um, and of course, the crown jewel of this place um, and the whole reason it was purchased is Mr. Desert's personal car collection, which is about 2,000 vehicles on property, approximately $200 million worth of, of vehicles. What? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. And it, it gets even better. Um, and we just opened, also part of his personal collection, a $100 million James Bond exhibit. It's the world's largest collection of screen-used James Bond vehicles, airplanes, memorabilia. It is an experience like no other. And so having the, the world's largest limousine um, and, and this incredible living dream build fits perfectly with Mr. Desert's vision, his collection, and, and his ability to take properties and take dreams and resurrect them. Um, cause that's, you know, the, the, that, that's Desert's past and, and present. Um, if you don't know Desert properties, they are iconic, uh, real estate development, you know, a, a, an iconic real estate development company and family. Uh, they are responsible for Porsche tower in Miami, which has a patented elevator that takes the vehicles, you know, up to your penthouse or, or oh, beautiful yeah. sky. Uh, they also are the only, uh, real estate development company that Armani was willing to put his name on for the Armani residences. They're in the process of doing Bentley Tower. Um, so Mr. Desert has made an, an entire career and, um, you know, just multi-billion dollar company. Well, I like his on, hobby. His exciting <laughs> vision. 
<laughs> yeah, I like his hobby. Yeah, this is good. It's a cool museum. Yeah. So this this Absolutely. this limo yeah, is going to be in the museum then. It's going to be on the property. Um, I'm not sure that they've decided exactly where on property it will be. But well, you're going to have to make some space. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to make some space. So, so some curious space and for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about the restoration process, because I understand that you're, um, after selling it to Mike, you're still involved in managing the restoration. Is that correct? Yeah, Mike asked me to help him put it, you know, get the restoration done on it. And we are putting together a school down there, which is called the AutoZoom. It's the Desert AutoZoom Auto Body School. So it's both of us joined together. It's a nonprofit. So I've been working with some people. Mike got uh, some people from his, uh, his uh, uh, museum in Las Vegas to come that do a lot of this type of restoration work. One gentleman came in from Vegas and he's been working on it for about, I'd say a good year and a half. And he had a lot of knowledge of the car because he is good friends with Dick Dean. It's Dick Dean. Yeah. So I'm not sure what his son's name is, but he was part of the original build with Jay Oberg. So he's in charge of putting the car together. We hired some extra help, some students, and we are restoring it. Uh, Half the car has been painted already and it's ready to be displayed soon. The other half is just about to be painted. We're going to put an interior in it. Um, the car will drive again because we have it driving again. We had to change out the mode of the cab. We had to buy a couple of donor cars. We had about 26 tires for it. So it's uh, in fall. <laughs> Sponsored by his, a tire company, apparently. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing the interior was probably like one of the hardest parts to deal with because it must have been just gone nasty. Yeah, you know, they really didn't have much of an interior in it ever when it was built. Okay. They just had a door in the back that opened, and that's all they showed. We uh, have an interior in the front, and we'll have one in the back. The pool is, you know, redone, and the helipad is redone also. So <laughs> Mike's going to purchase a helicopter for it to put it on there. <laughs> of course. Why not? Why not? I mean, that's, that's great. <laughs> this maybe, is they'll, maybe they'll have rides coming off it. I don't know. That's part of his plan, possibly. I, There's I love a it. gentleman down the block from Desertland that does rides around Orlando. So <laughs> well, that's just an add-on now. Would you like to yeah. land on the limo? This is just an add-on <laughs> part of your ticket that you're going to buy. <laughs> well, it. this is awesome, guys. When uh, when are you expecting the vehicle will be done and debuted? Well, it's uh, in 22. It's going to be recertified by the Guinness World Record. Awesome. It's the longest limousine in the world. Uh, we've been in contact with them. They're making plans to come out from England to do it. And then once it's recertified, then Mike's going to put it where he wants, either you know, someplace on the property that he's going to put it and display it and for the world to see it. I mean, Well, I think Chris and I are definitely going to have to make a trip out to Desertland to see this. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, where, where in Florida is it, might I ask? Orlando. Orlando. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I got and little right kids. Right in the heart of it. Right in the heart of the what they call the I Drive or International Drive Strip, um, so we're near right near Universal Studios and all of the different attractions on on I Drive. But we're right at the the northern end, which is great because you don't have to deal with the traffic of I Drive. That, that sounds awesome. It sounds like I have uh, two little girls, seven and eight, so it sounds like something that would be be fun for them to come do. Absolutely, so, something for the whole family: parents, grandparents, kids, grandkids. Um, there, there really is something for everyone to enjoy. Well, thank you guys so much. It's great getting the info from you, and it's it's kind of like a happy ending to our story here. 
that the limo yep. will live again. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. It will definitely live Bye. again. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. Take See care. you in Florida. All right. Bye. Well, that sounds like paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I looked looked at a couple of pictures. His collection is serious. Yes, it is serious. I was looking at some of the cars. Yes, he has the Thousands. Mad Max Interceptor the, from the, the original Mad yeah, Max. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it for oh, you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that was I was sold on on going to see that thing. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this, um, just how iconic this car was at one time. This right, this. I don't. It's more than a car. It's just a. It's this, a. It's an spectacle. art piece. It's a spectacle. It's an art installation. It's all these different things. And I was thinking about how is is it possible for an object in today's day and age to become that famous? I don't think so. I, I think was thinking about that too. It's a product of the time and how yes. information traveled. Yes. At that time, because it was something like I saw this thing. You need to see this. You couldn't look it you up had, on YouTube. You had to and... get off your ass and go see it. You had to go to the I state know. fair. You had to go to the the place where the biggest Ferris wheel. You had to go and see it. Same with his hot rod builds too. Back in the day, I'm trying to like imagine how is this a business right it's because people want to pay to see these things yeah exactly and you think of the i was thinking of the mail order hot rod thing and how cool that is to just yes. get a box with a bunch of stuff and go to the dealership and get a engine uh, just with a, a crate motor and yeah. go smoke a letter <laughs> oh my god it's an amazing story and i hope you guys enjoyed hope it hope you enjoyed it and many thanks to jay and and lana and mike that was it was awesome for them to talk to us Absolutely. We're out of time. We're a little bit over, but I think it was worth it. I, yes. Jake, again, great job digging all this stuff up. It was, yep. it was my pleasure to hang out with you guys. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. Take care.